0: We're living through a time in which we can clearly see how interconnected we are with people around the world. Terms and concepts that we may not have been very familiar with are commonplace now. Contact tracing. You might be called to remember who you were with and who you were in contact with during a certain period of time. How much contact tracing would be required to show how a virus can spread throughout the world in a matter of days. How it can come to impact an entire planet of people. One of the things that becomes clear in a circumstance such as this is that my welfare, your welfare, is connected to the welfare of others. As we open the second season of the Rector's Cupboard, we aim to look at a way forward that seeks to include all people. Today we'll be talking about reconciliation, coming together with people who may be very different than us. We've seen what happens when we reject the other when we speak of people of different nationality or color or background or political interest, as if by their very difference they're a threat to us. We cannot be human without other people. Sometimes that can be the worst, but in truth, it's the best. There is a kind of false and destructive power in marshalling religious, political, or social fear against other people. You can rally a troop and draw an angry crowd— true power however is the power in bringing people together in an awareness of our shared humanity the best politics the best religion help us to see how the differences in that other person differences of race or belief or interest are not to be fought or cancelled but appreciated and welcomed it's been a hell of a year so far but maybe after this we can better see how connected we are maybe we can know a little more of what it means to be so very grateful for other people. In 1874, the British government passed a series of laws called the Regulation of Public Worship. A lot of people cared an awful lot about church back then. True. On one side, people wanted more ritual and ceremony. Order. Order. On the other side, they wanted mostly none. Yeah. In the midst of the battle, one minister, a rector in London at a church called St. George in the East, had stopped a practice whereby people who volunteered in church services could avail themselves of liquor from the rector's cupboard before and after the service. The Reverend King closed the cupboard. We have opened it again. Welcome to the rector's cupboard. Order. So welcome to rector's cupboard. We're here kind of um, on location in what's being converted into kind of offices for our little venture here. So, And we have uh, four of us at the mics. Um, Allison, host, is here, but also producing right now. Apparently. Allison is taking Ricky (laughs) T's spot as producer, so we're glad you're here and on the mic. And Amanda is here as well. Hello, Amanda. Hello. And we have Cupboard Master Ken, who has a lot of liquor in front of him. As usual. And now, we the last episode that we released was recorded in June. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And so, we're kind of toward the end of the summer now. It's an unusual summer for sure. But Cupboard Master Ken, you got a new job.
1: I did get a new job. Tell I'm, us
0: about your new job.
1: I have been working as a chaplain at a extended care facility. Uh, so, it's for all... What are the other older kinds older of people? names for that? old age home used to be, be called old folks yeah, home old or something folks yeah. home I or don't something. say that don't anymore. think that they generally say that no, anymore because Todd. there are some younger people in there too mm-hmm. but it's i mean we were just talking about this and i mean you could make a sitcom out of it there's a cast of characters that includes the residents the uh, workers the family members it's your no day is the same as the day before there's constantly weird things going on there's people who <laughs> scream out names there's people who are grumpy about being there there's people who are excited about everything uh but for but me you like it i it's fantastic love it and for me one of the most interesting things is uh, from a faith perspective i all my job is to see the humanity and the person still here that so many people, because we have so many people there with Alzheimer's or mm. forms of dementia, mm. even the word dementia mm. comes from the word diminished, as if the the, the mm. person no longer exists. Mm. And in my job, I get to see that that person still is there. And, well and so when That's we really talk beautiful. about faith and soul, we say that, you know, your mind may begin to not be the same as it used to be. Your body may not wait, work the same. But the soul is the one thing that, or your spirit is the one thing that never actually diminishes. It can always continue to grow. So you must have
0: moments of real connection with people that are just fantastic.
1: (laughs) It's it's amazing. And whether it's people who are, uh, you know, on their, you know, on their deathbed and they're talking or it's just um, people talking about the things that they still get excited about and the things that still give them meaning in life. And so I get this opportunity to be sort of this presence and witness and example of christ to people who have largely been disconnected from culture been devalued because they're no longer productive and as soon as someone is no longer productive we devalue them and now i get to say no you're not devalued
0: i like what you're saying and i identify with it in that like Particularly when I was pastoring a church, there's multiple times you're going into care facilities or stuff. You might run a service, or you're doing something else, and and you're aware of a number of things, obviously. Uh, but but one of them is that this is a place that most people, in, unless they have to, are not going. Right. Whether that's visitors or, and so it's a place that that you know is not given kind of the benefit of say productivity or usefulness or something in our culture, but. Every time I left a place like that, you know, working, serving, doing a service, visiting people, whatever, you are aware that something meaningful actually happened. And, and you're, you're, I, I was aware that there's so many of the other things in my life that are so much less meaningful than this. And I think yeah. you're right, I think it's the presence well, of humanity.
1: There was one day, a couple of weeks ago, where um, I, was, I, I do sort of breakfast rounds, so I go up and, and talk to people about breakfast, or during breakfast, and one of the residents says, this is new. I said, well, what, what's, what do you mean? What's new that there's someone who's willing to come around and just say hi to us. Wow. And one of the workers on a different unit that same day said, this hasn't happened before. I said, what That someone just comes around and takes interest in them when they don't, they're, they do not need to be taking right. interest in them. Yeah. You're just coming to say hello and check in and see how they're, they're doing how they're being. And it it's yeah. awesome. And day and the days aren't productive. Like that's the thing. My job is not a productive job, but my what a job blessing. is just, I talk with people. Right. Like I tell the residents, they, when it's they say, so what meaningful. Yeah. They say, what's your so job meaningful? And I say, I think they pay anytime, me
2: it's meaningful, but especially now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, when for so sure. many people aren't able to see their families to know that there's That's someone such, yeah. who's investing time. Oh, in true. Them. Didn't you yeah. think of that. Like, right. Yeah. Visit, uh, of yeah. course, beyond COVID, yeah. there's value in the job. But right now, how incredible to be able to do that.
1: Yeah. And, 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 you know, hats off to the to the organization who's running the care home that says we want to invest. We want to hire people. In fact, there's two of us whose only job it is, mm-hmm. is to talk to people. That's it. That is your job. And it's both residents and staff. So we are also there for the team. Now, I understand from talking with
0: you also that the older ladies really, really like you.
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm like catnip to (laughs) 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 90-year-olds. But but that doesn't feel bad, does it? I (laughs) tell my wife she should watch out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, thank you. We're going to do a tasting in just a minute. I won't talk about it much, but the topic for our consideration in this episode is reconciliation and uh, certainly has to do with this recognition of humanity in the other. Mm. And uh, we came across this article that was on CBC News website uh, about a, a... an altercation or a dispute in Campbell River, uh, these two neighbors who were fighting over like a retaining wall and various things, and, and uh, somebody built a wall, but in some places it went as much as 19 centimeters over the property line, so the other guy jackhammered it.
3: Oh, it was and very it was dramatic.
0: Manure dumped and all this kind of stuff. When you, we don't have to get into but when you read an article like that, what do you think?
2: I mean, to me, it's just so disproportionate the reaction to the thing that happened, right? Right. It, it mere centimeters over their property line, and it's not just that they jackhammered it, but then other
0: things happen. Yeah, yeah. There's there, was, so there was huge, huge escalation years of this pu- and And lawsuits. That was what it was about. It yeah. was a court, well, It, it yeah.
2: ends in this lawsuit. Yeah, right? countersuits but, and. Yeah, so I mean, one of the things I think is what's happening. With the person that's jackhammering like what is going on in their life that this is the thing they need to draw the line right. on um right the, the one person who like who built the wall admitted yeah i, I made a mistake and apologized and, tried, and at first
0: their neighbor said no it's fine because mm-hmm. it actually makes and my yard so- better and then, yeah, the
2: compelling person in the story to me is the person that felt that it was necessary to continue this like constant barrage of harassment. Actually,
0: well, you hear stories about people who move because their neighbors were. Yeah. it's just
2: too much. Yeah, emotionally, yeah. it's just too much. It makes to me handle. very
3: grateful for the neighbors that we have, who are lovely.
0: Well, which is the case most of the time.
3: It it really is. Yeah, yeah. but you do you do begin to wonder like what is going on that mm-hmm. that makes this this one person in the story. Yeah, react. Is there something so disproportionately? And
0: and, you know, when we talk about reconciliation a little bit, is there something that once you get into a dispute like this, you just have to win?
3: I think for some people, they certainly need to. There's, there's, well, at least there's that compulsion that they feel like if they back down, it's weakness, or they feel a justification of they're legally over this line, so they've trespassed onto my property. And you must
0: be thinking about this then, if you're in this kind of context, you must be thinking about it all the time, because they're right there.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, one of the pieces of the story is that the the guy, the jackhammering yeah. guy, uh, painted the word "coward" on a wheelbarrow. Oh yeah, and, and left it within it, we like like at the property Yeah, with him So view. that whenever you looked out into your backyard, you're presented with this sign oh, that says goodness. "coward." So like, there's a doubling. He does, he does all the, all the, all the passive aggressive and the aggressive and all the aggressive.
1: All kind of vulgar <laughs> stuff. But that it does he did, make so. you wonder, as you say, what what else is going on in that person's mm-hmm. life? That this is this is this is the thing that has become so. Important to them, such There's a lot. such an, obsession. an investment. Yeah, think of, of the time yeah. the and money energy that, yeah. and
3: like just the emotional investment makes me tired.
1: And yeah. and to be fair, sometimes those things do build over time. You, oh you, yeah, we're getting you, a snapshot. You kind of know years. your neighbor, and maybe the neighbor changes, or just your relationship with them. And you used to get along, and now you don't so much. And those sort of things can escalate. I mean, we've had things on our street where some people did move because of one particular neighbor. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, to be fair, there were drugs and stuff involved. Not me. I wasn't <laughs> over, but, uh, but people did move. They thought, this is where I want to live. And then they said, I can't continue to live here because of this. And they, I mean, they didn't, you know, do horrible things. They just moved. But still, so I, I can see where that frustration builds. And you wonder, is there more to the story than just well, the retaining and wall? And I think
0: sometimes as we think about reconciliation, we think, well, I could get along with anybody, even someone who's difficult. I would like someone. to think that and about then, myself. And then you go, I, I, oh, and then I don't I,
3: know read I could not i, I, I yeah, with I'm not, uh, sure. So. I'm not well, sure. I'm good. I'm that good enough
1: for Everyone has their Hatfield or McCoy.
0: We're going to have a, a better example of calling yes. for the humanity and others before we turn to the interview with a little uh, clip of Cornell West speaking to Anderson Cooper. But, but first, first, we have the tasting.
1: But first, we have a tasting. And so Aww. it's been a while since we've done a tasting on the podcast. Properly, and yes. What we have here from Okanagan Spirits, which is a um, distillery in the okanagan in bc is two so well they call them bourbon style whiskeys you can't call yourself a bourbon unless you're from the states it's kind of like you oh, can't whisk, be scotch, scotch unless you're from okay. scotland uh but the distinction with bourbon now i have uh, I bourbon style whiskey is it's we made with kind, right? corn Okay. So it has to have at least 51% corn in it, to call itself a bourbon or bourbon-style whiskey. Uh, and then it's barrel-aged like any other distilled liquor. This one, the first one we're going to be trying is their three-year-old. So it's been aged for three and, years. It's and it's a little lighter corn. than the other? Yep. And uh, So we'll hold up the one I'm tr- we're trying it's, now. It's, a standard it's got a beautiful one right now, bottle, 40, though. 40%. That is nice. It's very nice. And the thing with bourbon over against other distilled things like rye and other whiskeys, it's going to be a bit sweeter just because it's distilled from corn, right? So you can taste it's that. True. It's going to have a bit of sweetness right off the top, but you do taste the oakiness and vanillas. And it's very clean. Some, it's very clean.
3: Like it doesn't linger.
1: Yeah. A little bit of honey in it, uh, sort of sweetness and jammy notes. Drinks a notes. little too easy. It, it does it's drink not like very easier yeah. so than a scotch so this one has been yeah it's a bit easier than a scotch bourbon is that yes, yeah for, it's yeah and so you anything for you hard would liquor, do like that drinks a little so easier for, mm-hmm. for me you can easily turn this into a whiskey sour or anything well, like we that we got to drink oh. it quickly
3: so we can move Todd's on to the next Todd's done already well we have another one to taste that no the second one sorry is darker cuz so it's aged longer so the second one
1: two things about it so this is called their black <laughs> bourbon That's quite a bit of there yeah, so over <laughs> In my defense. you and yeah, I keep drinking from, from And um, so the second one is uh their Bottles Black up. Bourbon and it is Great. aged an extra year so it's 4 years but it's also what's called cask strength. Ooh, sorry, that so was a big sip. This oh, this one one, is a stronger one, much stronger. Oh, goodness. Is, instead of 40%, yeah, I'm gonna drink some water. it's it's 54%. Sorry. So Sorry. Say that, that one more time for it's me. It's fifty-four percent. So instead of forty percent, like a normal distilled liquor, <laughs> gin and vodkas are. I may need something to snack on. Average. So this would be like a older, cask strength. It's cask Scotch strength. or other whiskey yep. or something. Yeah.
3: The the color is beautiful on it.
1: And a very different flavor. you yeah. can taste. It just tastes more mature. Ooh. right there's way more caramel yeah, colors more. the cask strength would cost more. It costs it. more so there's way more oh. caramel flavor a little bit of chocolate in that uh so it's really right it's up really front nice. it's got a lot more yeah
3: mm.
2: oh I like that one that's
1: good so and bourbon it tends doesn't drink as fast more in your face yes yeah. yeah but bourbon tends to be everyone thinks you know if I'm going to be cool and sophisticated I'm going to get into scotches uh mm. but bourbon is sort of the the, the cousin to those things and tends to be a bit. People think a little, a little bit lower of not it. Not as highbrow. But yeah, but a really good bourbon. Mm. This is this to me is as good as yeah. a lot of good scotches. This certainly and is. Mm. This is. I like significantly the black cheaper. one. Cheaper. Mm-hmm. This one, the aged um, one. So better. yeah, but that's that's bourbon. It comes with corn as and opposed we'll do, okay. to. We'll do more greens. from
0: um, the Okanagan Spirits in the future, correct? We will. We yeah, have some we'll gin really...
1: from them that we want to yeah. try. So, but now we're gonna. Here, Thank you, Ken oh. it's Thank great you, Ken. To be back yeah, we've got like one minute.
0: We've got like one minute of this interview. I thought we'd right. play it as it. It's a good intro into the introduction then to yeah. um, John Radford, and it's basically set the context. Uh, Anderson Cooper was speaking with Cornell West. Many people know Cornell West. We can put a little description in the notes, but um, the the evening of George Floyd's funeral, um, so in June, and uh, one of the reasons I wanted to to play this is that allison's sorry that was allison's liking the the cask <laughs> strength <laughs> one of the reasons i wanted to play this was that it shows a hopeful uh vision not only of uh faith but also of r- the recognition of of others so we'll play like one minute we'll put yeah. the but we'll put the longer interview
3: yeah on, you should and, watch the whole interview it, i mean yeah there's stuff that we so ha-
0: can't good. include for mm-hmm, time in it, but okay. here we go
4: like the ushers in shallow baptist church <laughs> and pick up that coffin and go and walk out. My daughter was there, couldn't take it, man. I've been at this for over 50 years. And yet I got to bounce back and I will bounce back because we got a love that the world can't take away. The world white supremacy may make being black a crime, but we refuse to get in the gutter we going to go down swinging like Elephants, Gerald, Muhammad Ali, in the name of love and justice. We're doing it for Brother Wyatt. We're doing it for my daughter. We're doing it for the Asians. We're doing it for the whole world because that's the only hope of the world. And that kind of love is always tragic, comic, and cruciform. You got to get ready to get crucified with that kind of love. And yet to keep dishing it on generation after generation after generation. The Floyd family lifted up. That spiritual,
0: moral... I was going to talk about it, but, you know, (laughs) let's leave it. There's something, and of course, if you've seen that, I think you guys all have, um, Anderson Cooper has moved to tears Mm -hmm. and just Mm -hmm. loses his kind of anchor, interviewer persona and becomes a student and and, uh, Cornell West is pastor, too. But the call of that humanity recognizing love that um is so hopeful right now and yeah. and one of the things when we speak with john radford that that we talk about with john previously um is just how a time like this can call the best out of us as well and i think this is an example of it so so thank you all for being here and and we're gonna go and interview john now and uh, we'll see you and have more mm-hmm. drinks indeed Very good. thanks so much all right thanks
2: risk of knowing that our love may soon be gone We can work it out
1: We can work it
0: out So we're pleased to welcome to this episode of Rector's Cover, John Radford. John is a mediator and facilitator, arbitrator. Uh, he helps in matters of, uh, vocation, counseling, conflict, conflict resolution, and all kinds of other areas. John has a PhD in organizational psychology from the University of, how do I say it? Natal? Natal? Uh, yeah, Natal. Uh, Natal. Thank you. Af- Natal. In South Africa. Sorry about that. Um, he's a registered mediator with Mediate B- BC. Uh, and he's received international education in deep-rooted conflict facilitation. Uh, He's also started programs, founding associate faculty member of the Royal Roads University Master's Program in Conflict Analysis and Management, and past chair and professor in the School of Management Studies at the University of Cape Town. Uh, John uh, has expertise and roots that go back to the final decade of the apartheid era in South Africa, where he worked in uh, the townships there to build capacity for conflict as a foundation for the hoped-for peaceful societal transition. His work ultimately helped lay the foundation for the South African Truth and Reconciliation Commission under Nelson Mandela's leadership. Uh, We know John. He's a (laughs) friend of some of us here. Uh, We've been deeply blessed by John and his work. And John, we're really grateful for you giving us time uh, this morning And talking to us about reconciliation and other things. So, welcome.
5: Thank you, thank you, Todd. My pleasure to be with you. Yeah,
0: now you're on the Sunshine Coast in your home office.
5: Yes, I am. I uh, just completed my uh, normally 70 second uh, commute. (laughs) I've exchanged it for uh, my 70 minute because I normally commute from uh, Gibsons on the Sunshine Coast through to downtown Vancouver. So, so you're you're normally taking a boat.
0: You're normally taking a ferry each day
5: yeah that's correct yeah so
0: and now it's like you don't even need shoes
5: no no i don't Uh, so (laughs) so this morning i was just in my beach sandals Whoa! Yeah,
0: yeah this is he's not now everybody we can see him he's got a shirt on the um uh now you've done, you do lots of work in, in mediation and conflict resolution, working with corporations or families, or, and now you have, like many of us, had to adapt in this pandemic time. You've been doing that work mostly on Zoom and other media yes. platforms, correct?
5: Yes. Yeah, I have, Todd. Uh, my wife is uh, fighting cancer, so uh, she is vulnerable um, mm. in terms of uh, COVID-19. So, uh, So we are literally locked down. We've only seen our daughter. And her partner in the last six months. That's it. So,
6: um,
5: so it's uh, it's been different. But I've continued my work. I'm and I'm, finding it surprisingly, uh, one satisfying and and a fair degree of success. I, in fact, in some more efficient in some contexts. So, so even in some of the deep rooted work that I work in, um, and that's been a surprise to me that video conference could be that.
0: Yeah, it's it. I mean. I know mediation sessions and such can can be draining, um, and can be long. Uh, and you and so is, does this just translate to Zoom now? Where are some of these longer? Have you found that some of them shorten up, or is it as draining? What are the differences?
5: So really interesting. I two things. One is I find I'm finding that people on Zoom and video conference, uh, I are actually tend to be more vulnerable not less than I would find even on a face-to-face and that Mm. that was something I did not expect and so I've been talking to others about it colleagues professionals what they're seeing uh, and there seems to be that trend so it would work both Mm. ways because people would be um, a bit more vulnerable uh, in I think in part because they often in their home settings Mm. and so we feel that kind of sense of at home and protected to, to a degree that that does offer us and um, and and in that and you're not because you're not absolutely face to face there's an opportunity to to talk through things that sometimes be a bit more difficult um, uh, some of the work you would know both of you would know <laughs> that some of the work i do i actually use symbolic representations of the conflicts so i use these yeah. Uh, elementary school foam blocks colored blocks right? i remember that yeah. yeah. because when people are <laughs> you know when, you, when we're talking to a block and i don't have to look you direct in the eye i can actually that is a step towards resolving things because sometimes eye contact in the context of really difficult mm-hmm. circumstance or history of conflict is almost too much and that sounds mm-hmm. strange but it yeah. it's almost too big a step to make eye contact Hmm. With someone that you finding really difficult to be with, so so anyway, so I, I'm finding it really interesting, and I'm trying to shorten my sessions, take a bit more breaks, and uh, uh, and not losing some effectiveness. So uh, I, that's, that's that's for three. me,
0: yeah, it's fantastic. I you, you mentioned the eye contact. I think you know we're going to talk about reconciliation for most of our time together today, and I, I picture that right. I picture eye contact, particularly with someone that you're in conflict with.
3: Yeah, um, it's difficult.
0: Yeah, and, and how it's a bit of a threat, right? Because mm-hmm. you're trying, yes. in a sense, to keep the separation because you're looking at at some kind of outcome that you want that maybe isn't what the other wants. And and eye contact demands some kind of personal interaction that is, is yes. too um, intimate or something. That yes. so Correct. So yeah. I, I could see how in, in the media, mm. uh, like the Zoom format, that would be very different. Um, so speaking of that, as a mediator, you've worked in circumstances where there are sides. That's, that's Oh, we didn't, weren't recording? Not
3: on the computer. <laughs> so the first bit of Zoom is free.
0: Okay. So thank you, Alison. As a mediator, you've worked in circumstances where there are sides, where you know, somebody has this hope for outcome and somebody else has a very different hope for outcome, um, and that one of those sides or both of them might ha- have a concept of winning. Um, what does your mediation have to do with breaking down that goal of winning, helping people see something different?
5: Yeah, I I think when winning ties to to uh, what's really important to someone, so I actually say where it ties to identity, um, it becomes even more difficult to see beyond what I'm seeing, to see what you're seeing, right? See what the other side is seeing. And, and I think that's part of the challenge of Well, for all of us in every area of our life where we would run into conflict um, and we can talk about conflict in different ways, but where there's a difference between what I would perhaps want as a way forward and an outcome uh, with compared to to you. So so that, where it comes up, um, where it ties to who I believe I am in some form and we can come back to this in reconciliation, but if if that's the case, then it beca- I'm more entrenched mm-hmm. in my position, my view, mm-hmm. my goal in winning. Right, using that word, uh, Todd. Mm-hmm.
3: So um, I'm knowing the, the sort of situations that you may find yourself in in your in your job. Um, I would assume that there are times where you're needing to have um, the people that you're working with see outside of their own personal selves and for like the greater good, whether that be reconciliation or just being able to have any sort of dialogue that there has to be this almost like transcendence, being able to see outside of themselves. How have you seen that kind of take place in in your work situations?
5: I I probably, Alison, great question. You know, I I probably see that uh, every day. In, in a number of professional day that is, um, you know, in a number of ways um, where people are challenged to to go beyond just themselves in the context. I think the art of facilitation, the art of helping people in that process, and we all do it. So although I'm trained professionally, we all mediate. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a normal thing we do in our lives. We, we help others come to terms with conflict between or even sometimes conflict within ourselves. Um, and so I, what I what I find to be really important is to help people kind of step back, and you, you alluded to it, and so, you know, kind of step back from themselves almost. Uh, it is a situation, but it is from themselves. Just to, to be able to stop and be able to hear the other person, that is a challenge. And mm-hmm. the art of helping people to do that um, is part of part of the work right um, mm-hmm. and it's the work that we all uh, undertake and we all are involved in it in some form some way i cannot tie can i just tie that kind of stand back to to um to future so mm-hmm. every conflict i'm absolutely convinced after 40 or um, 45 years of working in conflict i i am um, every conflict is about tomorrow it's about the future mm-hmm. um I've not come across a conflict yet. So if you find one, let me know, but yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not about tomorrow. It's always about what's going to happen tomorrow. It's informed by what's happened up to now. So the history and experience for mm-hmm. us and groups and nations and, and is critical. So I'm not, I'm not uh, denying that that's really, really critical, but if there's no tomorrow and therefore, if there's no hope, there's actually no conflict. Um, Hmm. So when we give up hope for the possibility of tomorrow, hmm. then, um, then that's, a, that's a bad sign. Okay. So in a, in a strange way, I actually see conflict as an indicator of potential and hope and opportunity. Um, so I, I always see conflict like that, right? That, wow. yeah. And be, because it is. So it's, it's a signal, not only like a smoke signal of a problem, it's also a signal that there's energy left in this community, this system, this person, this family, this relationship. Um, when it comes to intimate relationship um, with couples, then that that's uh, that's a clear sign. You know, if people have given up, that's a very very difficult mm. place to start. Um, mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll give you one example, if that's okay. I was working. This goes back a few years. Um, I was working, and I can't. I don't often talk about the actual situations I work in because of uh, confidentiality. This one is public domain now. Um, It was the city of Calgary, as more than ten years ago, they they were working on a um, what they called a poverty reduction initiative. They were trying to come to terms with poverty in their city, and could they come together? And it was just an amazing initiative. There was uh, in the region of I think sixty or sixty to ninety organizations involved. Anyway, I got a call and they were saying, we've got some conflict in this process. And by the end of the call, so I was just talking with three or four people who were involved in it and leading, facilitating. Um, I realized that it, it was not just conflict. They, they were beginning to be overwhelmed by the, their task, their job. Is mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. to reduce poverty, it starts with one initiative here, perhaps in helping people yeah. have a meal, and, but where does it end in terms of, of poverty and community and society and, and so on? And so my task became helping those groups come together, and we were all in the room, some 200 and something, 30 people. <laughs> we were all in a room, and uh, my task before or as part of dealing with the conflict was actually to find hope again in their, in their goal, in their future, in what they were trying to achieve and we did that and we took us a day, it was a wonderful day actually um, that's uh, it took us a day to get there um, at least to bring the this the kernel of the hope back as the hope came back in the room so did the conflict and uh-huh. um, and that's important to know right so i actually with him celebrated that I, we didn't i said okay can you see the the beauty and value of conflict it's um, really good. that yeah. it's a sign of health rather than it can be highly dysfunctional, and I've seen and been in the worst of it, um, where people lose their lives. Right? But but it's also it's also a sign of life. Mm-hmm.
0: So do you mean the conflict there came up over what programs should be funded, or what are the priorities, or what
5: are the? Yes, and before it was that those was hopelessness. Kind of it's basically and, yeah. Like, where, where should money it's too go? big and stuff. Right. Um, so yeah, and uh, yeah, and the different initiatives. Uh, yeah. yeah,
3: you talk about how you've been doing this work for for forty five years, and how everybody does some sort of type of mediation to a degree in most areas of life but obviously there there is a need for for professionals such as yourself um and people who who do seem to excel at this sort of work um how did you even begin this
5: okay (laughs) i uh, and the short answer is i i kind of I fell into it in a way. <laughs> in this way right? so I, I was trained as a psychologist. I was doing assessment. I was working at university, oh, okay. and I I found assessments. I enjoyed it, but then I started to get. It seemed to constrain too much. I was involved in putting people into various types of of uh, you know assessment and and helping them work from that with this value. But I I I, I kind of felt I was living in apartheid. I was living in a country that was falling to pieces literally, and this was in the. Uh, in the late 70s, uh, and some colleagues of mine who were lawyers in Johannesburg, I was in KwaZulu-Natal in, in Durban, and uh, they said, John, we, we're thinking of starting a mediation service for labour management. And to cut a long story short, um, I, we, we got, this, uh, eight of us started, um, we got trained by the American Federal Mediation Service in mm-hmm. labour disputes, and they, they've got the complexity and, uh, and then by a British ACAS. They both had budgets to come and train in South Africa. Uh, so eight of us started, uh, and it was in the centre, people with apartheid, although people were separated in every form of, of their lives between, on the basis of colour. Um, people come together to work. So a lot of the, the, uh, the, the conflict energy was actually through the workplace uh, and represented through, through labour and labour, not all, but predominantly was was black uh, in that context, and management, not all, was predominantly white. So, so mm-hmm. a lot of the apartheid stuff was coming through, mm-hmm. and then it moved from there. Um, within a, within, by the time I turned thirty, I was mediating these national disputes, not because I heard anything special. I actually didn't. There was <laughs> a need, uh, you know. I didn't. I, I, we, there, I was just in the right place. You know. Uh-huh. We. And then we were bringing people in and training them, and it was really exciting work. And then uh, the head of the Federation of Labor and the head of the, um, the, uh, the Chamber of Commerce, a uh, black man and a white uh, man, they said to me independently, that asked me to help in Kwazulu Natal in the violence there. And I said, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that, but let me try and find people. And as I find people both in Africa and internationally, and international support was unbelievable in South Africa's change, um, they said to me, stay in because you have the relationships. Hmm. So I did, and I I learned vicariously how these people work in really, really difficult conflict. Um, And uh, it wasn't even called that then, but nowadays it's called Track 2 Diplomacy. Uh, track one is what we see on the news, with our politicians engaging each right. other and diplomats. Track two is people working quietly in the behind markets. the scenes, yeah. and then and it continues yeah. around the world today in every almost every conflict that there is. Yeah. Uh, people just working around trying to find the place and time to help and intervene to make that little difference that'll move it towards. So
0: when you're watching the news now, are, do you think that's? Do you think I wonder what's going on with the track two diplomacy? I, like did. You, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. I do,
5: yeah. You know that. I do. I have yeah. a connection into some of it, but not not much. Right. Uh, what's interesting is with um, with COVID and the I've noticed geographical boundaries reducing in my work. So, so I'm mm. getting calls from people that I would never really get a call right. from uh, yeah. before COVID, which is interesting.
0: Yeah, you can. Re- uh, so, we'll hear a little bit more about your experience and your background, particularly in South Africa. But, I, in my mind, a question um, because I have seen you work. And I, I think this is one of the deepest points of your, um, it's, it's more than talent, your call or whatever Mm -hmm. we might say, your vocation. Um, what is it in that you can discern in your work that makes you feel like alive, that makes you aware that what you're doing is useful and meaningful?
5: I think, um, I think for me, uh, conflict brings me directly into contact with the humanity, mm. our humanity, of who we really, really are. Right, and and if I think about that as a Christian, um, that brings me directly into the very essence of 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 what what I see, at least mm. from my view, what Christianity is about, which is which is about um, finding finding each other. Yeah. Um, Actually, you know, finding each other in in difficult circumstance, and that's when we learn the most—not just about the other, but about ourselves. Yeah. And so, when I talk about humanity, I I think about each of our journeys. Um, that for each of us, um, we we've we fought our own struggle, right? Um, and I I, I know I, I've been trained in some of the work in peace, uh, originally peacemaking, then they moved to peace building, and I, I'm with peace building. Um, and part of what I began to understand about peace, if I can go there for a moment,
6: yeah. mm-hmm.
5: is that that peace is, is not the absence of conflict. I think it's a misunderstanding. and as Christians and as 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 people who just engage in life, right, but th- it's not the absence of conflict at all. Um, peace is the ability to hold the tension of conflict, to hold it. So and that's to hold it within me. And hold it between us. And what I, so what I mean by that is that if I cannot jump over this, but use this difference or this whatever it is that's happened between us or is happening right now between us, if I can use that to understand you mm. and myself better, we've just moved forward. And so that to me, to your question about what, what brings me alive, mm. I I see that literally every day. I, uh, yesterday, I'll give you an example. Just yesterday, I was—I've I had, had, had a wonderful part of this month um, working with a ship captain. Mm-hmm. Um, he was accused of, of very serious racism acts, right? Um, and, um, and there was evidence of it. There's no doubt. But and so he ended up. I ended up at the end of the day uh, being asked to to coach this man. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what how do you what do you do, right, in that context? But to help him. Um, in to get back on track for himself and his life, and so in that in that experience of working with him, and he was a tough but really interesting. And and why he began to change and grapple with this is very very simple. It's it is to do with integrity and 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 honesty. It's to do with with the truth, facing it for myself. Mm. Uh, as I helped him face himself in the context of what he was doing, what he was saying, I, it was beautiful. I mean, there were times I, I we both had tears, right? I mean, yeah. I, and I that to me, that to me is is why I love the work. Um, and and I, anyone who works with people understands that. And we all work with people to a degree because we most work is not totally on our own.
0: But you're you're um you're recognizing his humanity in yeah. in working with him, and so whatever defensiveness he has. Against the other, whether it's in terms of race or the the lines that he's drawn in the past, um, he he may feel the need to kind of you know make those uh, more harsh, and then yeah. and then to have somebody recognize his humanity, but not. Um, but not grant him kind of permission for this this racism or whatever. It it can yeah. be such a bridge. You our experience with you and we had a vocational experience. A number of, of us involved, um, both volunteers and staff and such. Ultimately, that led to a separation vocationally. And mm-hmm. it's one of the questions I had uh, for you was: You must see this a fair bit, even in the example you just gave. There's some kind of separation that, and then it's kind of what's next. Um, how how do you feel like? sometimes the idea is we have to, we have to keep working together. We have to keep this thing together or f- whether it's a family system or something else you have worked in a number of times, obviously where separation is what happens, but how, how do you help people through that? And what can be positive and hopeful even in that?
5: Right. I, I mean, I, I miss up front. I, I, I don't like separations. Yeah. I, I, uh, but, but they are, they're valuable. I, I also believe, um, uh, that separation is not is is often not often is the wrong word, but is the best plan in certain mm. circumstances, bottom line um, it is the best plan forward to the future um, for whatever the reason right um, and for me, if separation can include people facing their own their own brokenness, their own humanity, their own struggle. Mm. In relation to the situation and the separation ultimately mm-hmm. be it a in a family context or be it in a uh, in an organizational mm-hmm. community context if if that can happen as in that process then to me there's a chance that the future can be built a bit differently right. and and it's very really simple and i think we all know it, but if we can If we can, in in separating, learn something about ourselves Mm -hmm. and our own part of the problem, Um, it's when I attribute the problem to you, to the other, the other person. To like the the person themselves. If you think about it, that's the essence of systemic prejudice or systemic racism, systemic Mm -hmm. anything isms. And there are many systemic isms in in the world that we live in. Uh, The basis is that I'm somehow okay and you are not. Right. And therefore, it justifies my treating you, uh, dismissing you, going... Defeating you.
0: Yeah. 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 One of the things you help us with, and I think, you know, we, we hope to have this, something we're aiming for personally anyway, but is that even if there is separation, even if there is kind of disagreement... That that doesn't mean a failure to recognize the humanity of the other person. You, yes. you, you will have things with people where whether it's organizationally or something um, in terms of the goals of a business or a, a religious organization or something where it's like, well, we want to go this way and the other people want to go this way. It's like, okay, that's not going to you're not going to be able to keep working together, but you can still recognize the humanity of the other person and so there can be hope you know it doesn't mean that it's you know it's all we're all staying together but it it does mean that okay we can hope for the best for one another right now you had a story you told me briefly you told me a bit of it from your background and your experience about all I know is like you and (laughs) that's a kind of introduce it this way you and Desmond Tutu in a stadium full of people (laughs) something like that. great way to start a story (laughs) Um, (laughs) tell us about uh, you know what happened
5: yeah, I. Uh, it, I was. Uh, this was outside um, my my city in KwaZulu Natal, which is Zululand. It is. Um, it's the homeland. It's the home place, uh, nation place of the Zulu people in uh, in Africa, and uh, and they they're based in South Africa. And there was there was conflict between um, between Zulus. Uh, it was politically based conflict, uh, but it was. Uh, it was being fueled as well by the apartheid system and the government. So, so we were, we were in the place of building peace and, and uh, Desmond Tutu has always been about building peace. Um, um, and in what was happening, I was uh, in, I was facilitating a meeting with uh, between him and one of the parties. Uh, and uh, we were in this football, the soccer stadium, right? Um, and so it was set up almost, you can imagine, like it was a stage. It was a stage and a half the set, like you would do a concert, you know, a music concert, a rock concert. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was set up like that. And uh, so Desmond and we were on the stage, and he was going to address them and deal with some really difficult uh, issues that had arisen in the community. And the idea was to meet with the one party and then a week later to meet with the other. Um, and it didn't kind of work like that. So very simply, what happened is – um, we were seeing them people people coming into the stadium and settling down and there was in a region of uh, probably a couple of thousand people from the one group who were in there i we obviously did not count them but but you know a couple of thousand and then um and people settling in and there was a bit of singing both kind of they always had a, a religious tone to it yeah. because eighty percent of of south africans uh Professed to believe in in, in God. Actually, uh, mm. whatever that took them to their journey to God, and uh, so there was that. And then we heard the sound, um, and uh, and the sound of Zulu warriors uh, marching into war to is war- unbelievably oh. scary. Bottom line, right? So uh, because what they they would chant and sing, and then every second or third step, I forget how it worked now, but they would stomp their foot down. And so you get this echo, a right? percussive so kind of, have, of you, like. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you have you have a thousand designed yeah. for names.
3: intimidation. Yeah,
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's, ama- it's amazing because it actually echoes, and and uh, so anyway, so we heard the sound, and I noticed that people. We had different levels of security. We had um, we had the South African police. We had the South African Defence Force, and then private security uh, as well. And I noticed the Defence Force pull out. That was not a good sign. So, <laughs> I'm getting then, anxious just so the sound, to this. So the sound, the sound is
0: moving towards you.
5: Yes, yeah, so that's okay. coming down. we and, can't see it and, we're inside the sand, but we're hearing it. Oh, right? So, oh we, gosh. And, uh, and it was in this valley. So it, it, it was. It was. It was pretty intense, to be frank. Um, and then, uh, then the South African police disappear. They just disappear. And then our security guys and the one guy came to one of my help, my assistants to say that they want to Uh, get out of here. This is not good. So ultimately we were left with us. um, And the, this other group came into the stadium and Desmond Tutu and uh, a number of us were on the stage, but he was the lead. Um, They came in and we expected, in fact, uh, we expected not a good situation because people were dying that week before in this conflict right this was not this was civil war in a way and so, so they came into the stadium and and the the group that was there began to move a little bit away as the others came in so so you had you can imagine there's two groups coming together in front of you um, and probably a thousand plus um, you know members arrived as well from the the counterparty and the, the uh, yeah so it was this context and there, a bit of exchange happening at the interface, but basically the party that was there began to move back, and the others moved in, and it was it was intense. Um, so I, I mean, I looked to say, "What do I do? How do I end up here? If this if this if this you know this erupts could be fully, it. then yeah. this could what be a weirdo!" Yeah, yeah. So it was it was scary. But here's the interesting thing: so Desmond Tutu and I kept like turning to him and saying, Desmond. You know, what do you think? And he, he, was, he was just, and he was, he, he was an amazing, he is an amazing person, right? Because he, he would, what he did is he just said, John, we'll wait. And I'm thinking, wait for what, right? And oh so, so so he said, no, we'll wait. And so he had his one hand up in the air um, and he had his eyes closed, and the men were on the intense and the, the, it was, you know, they, they, the guys sing war songs and they weren't singing hymns, right? And mm. so so he then stepped down. Uh, so this was probably about an, uh, probably 45 minutes, felt like two hours, three hours, yeah. 45 minutes or so when the groups were in and they were now in the stadium and there was a bit of interchange but no one actually would, took up arms against each other But at the, and there was a space like a, right. a, between these two groups. And then he stepped down off the stage, and for a second I thought, "Desmond, what are you doing?" Now he's (laughs) (laughs) leaving. So he stepped down in front, and there was a little. There was a a family there with a five-year-old little boy, and he asked permission to bring that child onto the stage, and and they gave permission, and he brought this little boy up on the stage and uh, and and asked him to stand in front, and so he stood with his one hand on this child's shoulder, and his other hand in the air. And he just he stood like that, um, and I, I I think I mean I, I saw God work in so many ways, yeah. um, but I, I saw God work that day because, um, and he, he didn't close his eyes and he just looked he looked around that stadium he, back and forth he just looked quietly, and didn't say one word, um, and and me you know, my heart rate's running for yeah. you know this time and. And then he he he, there was little by little. So it took about ten minutes, which is a long time in that context. And it became quiet, so you could actually hear like a pin drop in this stadium, right? Um, and he began, and then he began to talk, and he delivered the most amazing, um, yeah, sermon, preach, whatever yeah. you want to add. It was a, a yeah. talk about, and he, he started. He said, "The reason we are here." Is because, and I forget the little boy's name, yeah. but he gave his name. Is because of this child, and he gave his name, and um, that's why we're here. It's about. It's not about us. It's about tomorrow. It's about. It's about what we could be, rather than who we are right now in this place, um, and and he went from there, and, and it was just, uh, it was just wow. phenomenal. By the end, of, by the end of that that speech. Um, People began to sing hymns together, right? The whole stadium, um, and uh, it was—it was just. I even when I think about it today. Yeah. I, I, yeah. it's amazing. amazing. It's a picture. So, of, yeah, just so that yeah. future. It is in the moment, right? So conflict, conflict is finding each other now in the moment. It's—it's it's the skill is immediacy. The skill is being able to be present with each other in our most difficult times and not back away from it. So that to me is integrity. That so to me is, is staying for the truth for what really uh. is. And he spoke the truth that day. It was simple truth. It's like, guys, this is not about... Us and satisfying our bloodlust. This is about our children and tomorrow, and mm-hmm. and building and building a future for them. And so, and he and, and he did it both encouraging, but he was really, really frank. I mean, it was this was. But this he's was putting himself
0: book. like the truth is, when all those security layers go, uh, that's real risk. You, yeah. You and 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 Desmond, you don't know how this is going to turn. Yeah. And as you said, there had been deaths, there had been killing, and. And so it's almost that vulnerability as well. Um, so much belief in, the, in reconciliation, potential reconciliation, that you can put yourself in, in a place of risk. Rick, I producer Rick, I think we have a Desmond Tutu clip to kind of move us. And I don't know, John, if you'll be able to hear this with our Zoom and stuff, but it's like about a minute. I know you've heard it before, so play us Desmond Tutu. Speaking at a university at, in 2008.
6: A person is a person through other persons. The solitary individual is really a contradiction in terms. I wouldn't know how to walk as a human being. I wouldn't know how to speak, how to think. I wouldn't know to be human. I need other human beings to help me to be human. None of us comes fully formed into the world. I need you in all of your giftedness, with all your weaknesses, I need you so that I can be I can be me in all of my giftedness and my weaknesses. It's actually quite wonderful. You could almost you could almost see God rubbing God's hands in, in divine self satisfaction and saying, even if I have to say so, that is pretty smart.
3: Eh? <laughs> um so so, John, you, you talk about the, the motivation that you find in, in your faith in this sort of work. Um, can, you, can you tell us what it means to you that, that in Jesus um, that he is described as the one in whom all things will be reconciled?
5: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's so central, mm-hmm. right? I, if If I think about the Christian message, it's at the very, very core. Is reconciliation uh, it's 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 that God would care love enough love us enough to to sacrifice basically his closest think about it, our own children
6: mm-hmm. to
5: sacrifice um, his closest to reconcile between us and him so so the very act of Christ the very act of Christianity, is an act of love. It's an act of love of, of God for us, and and the way to accept that I understand it's, in many ways, but I just give me one in the context of reconciliation. Um, a critical way of accepting that is to accept that to reconcile with God through Christ means I reconcile with you. Mm-hmm. I, we reconcile with each other.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: For me to reconcile with you. I actually have to come to terms with myself. Hmm. So it's got all the beautiful layers of reconciliation because reconciling with myself means I've got to face the part of John that I don't find easy to face, Um, the part of me that um, at times because of fear or the part of me that I'm not enough, that I I would not hear you. I, I the other person I would not hear you because I'm so focused on me and we all do that I mean at one level it's a survival thing right um, so so the very essence of Christ that Jesus is about reconciliation and I love the scripture mm-hmm. God is love not God is about love God is uh, I mean, all of those things he is, but he is love so to experience love is actually to experience God so and part of that is for me to love you well means I, I'm going to accept my own, um, my own value, mm-hmm. but also my own brokenness, my own, the part of me that I struggle with. Because if I do that, there's a greater chance I can hear you. I'll be curious about you. If I don't, there's so much stuff running in my own head, if you want. Um, there's so much interference in myself I'm not even going to see you. I am and there's a Zulu word I love it. It's uh, it's called um, it, it is I see you. Um, and mm. so when you greet in in hmm. Zulu you say ingiyabona and Ngibwana means I see you, which is not just hi. How's it? Yeah. It's actually I see you, which means i I see beyond me, I see you, but I also see me in the context of you. Hmm. And that's the context uh, of, of, yeah. of, uh, of Ubuntu, right? So, so so, I'm not fully John unless I actually accept myself in relation to you. I cannot experience fully who I am without you. And if you think about that, if you think about Ubuntu, it is the way God designed us. So it is the very essence of – so anyway, I'm, I'm, I, uh, I, I love it. I, I, I love that. You,
0: you know, that term, that I see you um, – I remember it from a movie years ago uh, that Jen and I watched called Joy Luck Club, which I think was a book too. And it was actually a mom saying to a daughter, "I see you." You know, she'd been yeah. quite overbearing and stuff, and then she seemed to break a boundary with this, right? And I was thinking about that in terms of my Christian faith and growing up in the evangelical church and working in the evangelical church. Um, one of the kind of areas of of um, stress, like, or I mean, where it w- that was emphasized was the idea of the purity of Jesus, the sinlessness of Jesus. And then somehow how that uh, relates to us is to kind of keep these lines of purity, you know, moral lines, lines between us and the other. So I've prayed the prayer, that other person hasn't. So so that we can often understand our faith in terms of these lines. But one of the things that people like you help me to see, and then my own reading, and I'd say prayer and whatever else, is, is that is the divinity of Jesus Christ expressed in the boundary-breaking which, to some degree, I see you is that it's that I'm breaking the boundary of myself to 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 know your presence here, and I, I wondered if you could kind of reflect on that for us. This this uh, whether it's in mediation or reconciliation, the and I see this with Desmond Tutu, right, and and his call to people. Like, in, and we played a little clip, but in in the broader clip of of that um, that we had on on episode here he speaks about um not even giving up on the worst of people and seeing the humanity across these lines so that that concept of boundary breaking how have you seen that people have to let go of some really important concept they had in their mind whether that's a racial concept or a religious concept or a business concept or something that i have to let this go in order to be present with the other person which can lead to reconciliation Mm -hmm.
5: Uh, yeah it, it, it is foundational to to change so I actually I see myself as working uh, conflicts a tool but it's actually in change it's in helping people move from one place perhaps where they're stuck and this could be a community organization individual to to another place where they they're better able to serve mm. and care and love for each other so yeah it, it it's fundamental to that as a basis and to me, it's to do uh, with identity. So I'll try to explain that in mm. a simple way. And the frontier in conflict theory and research in the world today. Um, so what I teach on on this international program is around identity. It's it's an identity is who I believe I am in relation to you, right? So I'm okay. using a more dynamic sense of identity. Um, and so if I believe that I am better than, in very simple terms, than you, for whatever reason, then I can't see you um, because I will see not where you really are. I will see my picture of who I want you to be for me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's putting someone on a pedestal, and it is we see it so often nowadays and with our uh, really amazing exposure in the media to, to people and, and lives. So it might be mm. putting someone on a pedestal so we don't see them for the, who they really are. Right. And I think sometimes as Christians we put Christ on a pedestal, and I understand that. But but Jesus, the reason why God gave us Jesus in blood and flesh was for him to show to us that, no, this is God is with us in blood and flesh, right? Um, and yeah. uh, and, and Jesus' struggles are so interesting. I, I love Jesus' struggles, right, because his struggle with, he, or his own power his own sense of power right um and uh, and and being challenged uh, by satan around that right so you know, right. come on you know jump right. off this building all this stuff so 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 it, so that would be uh, I, I think so one is a pedestal the other is to be that the other is less than
0: right mm-hmm.
5: and i think one of the tragedies of apartheid i i uh, there were so many tragic things about systemic racism built in and it and it happens everywhere we know it and we see it right now in our communities and society um, is that some of the people who were the victims of apartheid believed it they believed they were less than mm. and I, uh, I i mean i yeah. I, I find it Sad, it's, I, it's devastating, yeah. it's right? devastating yeah. mm-hmm. that, yeah, that they actually believe they less than, and I that's the tragedy. I and that's over that's systemic oh. over time, right? Where and so it's one of the reasons why there's collateral violence, which is violence between people who are victims, right? Um, uh, and that's a whole study, it's a whole emerging area of conflict, but anyway, I don't want to go down that track. No, but, that's but absolutely it, fascinating
0: this, to me. I, I love the, the two terms, and yeah. The, the, the dehumanizing in both, either the pedestal yeah. or the less than. Yeah. And, of course, the devastating impact of thinking that you're less than or also the devastating impact of putting yourself on a pedestal or your people yeah. or your tribe yeah. or your group or whatever, right? That um, really, really fascinating stuff.
5: And so what I do, just very quickly, what I do is uh, I invite people in the process. How do I move from, from myself to actually seeing you in Bona? Mm. To actually see you, Todd. See you, Alison. Do you, can, you I, I to, can you spell that for us? Can you spell that word for us quick? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you want to... Sorry? The,
0: the word... What's the greeting again?
5: Oh, oh. In Gia bona Is it easy in to Gia spell bona. or no? <laughs> yeah, so I... I it's, it's a Zulu word, so even the spelling doesn't quite... Okay, fit. so we'll get it later. <laughs> okay. But yeah. So, uh, in Gia bona So, I see you, right? And I... And as I, I see you... Um, what I invite people to do to move from seeing myself to seeing you is very simple. It's just three steps. It's, I call it the, dance answer, the three G's, right? Go in. So number one, go in. I use my little pinky right now, go in and just face yourself for the moment that you actually are triggered, that you actually, what you're doing right now is impacting one yourself and those around you. So go in and there's a lot more to go in, but it is, it's that self-awareness and it's, it's the go-in I think God invites us all the time to go in. It's where we find the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. is within, right? Um, so go-in is one. Once, and the reason why I go in first is because if I'm res- responding to you in terms of a systemic prejudice, I've actually moved from uh, – there's a point in that where it actually executes, where where it happens. I've moved from my neocortex to um, to my amygdala in my thinking, so I've done that shift Um uh, and to that primitive part of my brain which is fight right. flight uh, or freeze or fawn right fawn is uh, is also a fourth okay. piece which is i'm pretending i'm uh, yeah I'm I'm, I'm I'm pretending i'm dead if it were a bear right. so oh, right. so yeah. uh so it's to move to that i need to go in first because if i by going in and just being aware of that i've actually started to shift that thinking so i can then number two i'm using my thumbnails so i go in and now go up Go up is is uh, not thirty thousand foot. This is not a strategic go up. This is go, just get out of myself and look at what I'm in. Look at my context. Mm. See myself, John. See yourself in your context, uh, and that's the go up, and that will change it. Because if I see myself in relation to you, I've already changed the way I'll see you in that moment. And this can be. This doesn't have to take minutes. This is can be milliseconds, right. although it can take hours to do it right. thoroughly. And then, and then the third is go out. So I'm using my little pointer finger. I'm not using my middle finger. I'm using my pointer <laughs> finger. My because sometimes said. we go out with a with the middle <laughs> finger, but I'm going out with my pointer finger and then to act on the situation. So those are the three little things. Oh, steps. well put. Well yeah. put.
3: So, John, if we could uh, talk a little bit about some, some current events, if you're, if you're willing. Um, I, I'd love to get your take on some of the social issues that are happening right now. You see... So many cultural and political issues that are that are surfacing right now, particularly you see in the states, but there's also things that are happening locally for us um, a lot of racial tension and you get tension in in workplaces, you get tension between different political um, affiliations as someone who specializes in in conflict or helping to resolve conflict how how what's your perspective on that
5: i I just think I think Black Lives Matter hmm. Hmm. is critical. I, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity, and I'm I'm so glad, at least initially, around the world that goes out. Right? It's a wonderful opportunity to face systemic racism in all its forms. Mm-hmm. Um, in, and so I'm encouraging the organisations I work with, the leaders I work with. I'm encouraging them to actually use it to face, um, to actually face what is not just how to respond to it. I mean, sure, right. uh, but but how do, to actually face it in the context of their organization, the people yeah. they serve, the the people that are part of their community, whatever it is. Too. So it's a wonderful opportunity. I, and because it is, it's is, it's with us, and it's what we've been talking about, I think, this whole time, right, which mm. is about seeing the other different to myself. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that is not just to say uh, recognizing and seeing difference is not an abnormal state. We As human beings, we do that, right? It's critical to survival because I need to be able to see different similarity in survival sense to judge whether you'll kill me or not in very Mm -hmm. basic sense right but but um but that difference can be is and can and is being exploited so i just see it as a wonderful opportunity alison to Mm. to to engage critical conversation but then action on it um and i've been working with some individuals around that to to what what is it what do we need to be doing how do we engage that i can't go there now but uh, what happened in because I got to work with leaders all the way through the conflict leading up to the transition in South Africa, I got involved in dismantling hmm. systemic racism, dismantling apartheid.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, part in part designing the process for the truth and reconciliation, the conflict process for that, and to land reform um, in the country. How do you? Because ninety percent of the land was owned by ten percent of the right. people, just yeah. literally. So so anyway so so how do you dismantle? How do you do that? How do you engage? And dismantle, unravel systemic, and it's not just about saying sorry. It's, I wish it were just simple as that. It is much right. more than saying sorry. It is about, and and Canada is tackling it. Canada yep. is yep. tackling the whole reconciliation process in Canada. I'm deeply encouraged by. Oh, good I hear. wish it were more public. I, I, right. That's one of my. I, one of the advantage of the TRC, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of South Africa, uh, of which Desmond was one of the uh, one of two key leaders. Um, Desmond Tutu uh, one of the key things is it was public so mm. in fact all the footage there was a few mm-hmm. exceptions because it needed to be confidential but the agreement was would all be uh, produced live um, oh. live television across the nation in uh, 13 languages right translated all of those sessions Um and a good percentage was recorded, so so that there was something in that which brings healing. So to, to witness, it, to see, see it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's just amazing, right? And I, I, so I believe that that systemic racism and facing it as a community is an opportunity to heal, um, not just heal the nation, which it would, but actually, and nations, but it, it heals us. It is, it's, hmm. it's what God calls us to, right? Um, to because if I can, if I can see myself different in relation to you, I'm going to grow. I, 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 I'm there's no there's no chance I'm not right. I, I, I'm I'm going to learn from you. I'm going to be I'm going to be open, and it's the difference that makes the difference, right? So so I, I so, you see, to, so you see so you see
0: this time in this summer and this as there's a lot about it that's really hopeful.
5: A, a lot. Yeah. I. I, I I'm amazed. I, so what's happening because of people having to spend more time, a bit on their own, but also in different circumstance, is I think we become more aware of relationship. We become yeah. more aware of the value and some of yeah. the struggles of our relationships, right? So we are seeing and experiencing what I'm hearing and seeing and working with people. The highs and lows are greater. Right. So the high is higher and lows are lower, right? right? And so people, it's more yeah. accentuated.
0: And people's trigger can be social. People yelling at each other about masks or something in a grocery store. It's just like everything seems so much more raw. Uh, we think sometimes in our little crew here about this concept of exceptionalism. Um, and what we mean by that, of course, we, the, The easy cultural example would be American exceptionalism, that, that, you know, the United States is the best country in the world or something. And politicians have to say that or there'll be, you know, many. And if you say the other, if you say, well, there's deep, deep problems here that can get you into trouble. But so I was thinking about the, the, um, the dangers of exceptionalism and how holding on to exceptionalism. Uh, even if I value my, my background and people who've helped me in the past and, and own heritage and whatever, um, if I think that I'm exceptional or my group is exceptional to some other group, of course that cuts off any hope of reconciliation to a large degree. If you, you named it already that somebody else is lesser than. Um, and I, I don't, I haven't settled on this, so it's more like telling you where I'm at. In my own faith, the exceptionalism that I feel that I'm grappling with the most is this concept that, like, if I've prayed the prayer, if I've accepted Jesus or something in an evangelical description, that I get in, and everybody else who hasn't, you know, is going to face eternal damnation or some, some whatever description. Um, I, I can see an exceptionalism in that that actually doesn't reflect the presence and love of Jesus Christ, that that which is for all, right? That is this, yeah, all things will be reconciled. Um, and it just wondered, and of course, then I'm thinking of like Philippians chapter two, this call. And so I see it. I picture like, uh, um, I don't know, you, I'm really emotional. So I can watch like a montage video that you see constantly now. I can't stand the commercials that are like, we're here for you. You know, Chrysler's here for you. Or, but at the same time, um, when it 's a bit more meaningful and not kind of trying to sell a product you, you see these montage videos of like you know young people some little thing like walking up a meal to the yeah. to a doorstep of somebody or or a you know a frontline worker with a mask coming out of a hospital exhausted or something and I can tear up because I can think this just this regular humanity of people um, working for the common good, and actually what 's at work there it's not exceptionalism one person against the other but it's these small acts of recognizing the humanity of the other person I thought uh, how could you you know tell us how you've seen the dangers of exceptionalism I mean you did a little bit already with this outlining the pedestal and the lesser than um, but what is it that can help people let go of that so give you just before you hand it off to you I can imagine you still get pushback even from your own background your own upbringing South Africa, that there would still be people that say, "Oh no, you know, it used to be better." Yeah. Um, and how do you work against that exceptionalism?
5: Yeah, I, Todd, just a great, great, great concept mm. and critical, I think, for 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 all of us who believe, uh, who have faith in something more than what is right right now, mm. faith in the future in some form, hope and faith. I I think. I think in the in the I just want to go back to where you started in terms of as Christians. I think the idea that we're somehow better off or better um, or better as a person because I know something about God yeah. than you is fundamentally takes us away from the very essence of what Christianity is about thank because, you. because, no, thank because you. the moment <laughs> I the moment I go there I'm actually I I'm I'm placing myself. It's going back to where we were in this mm-hmm. conversation. I'm placing myself on a pedestal, and even though it's not intentional, in terms of how I see you, it's built in because now I'm instead of me just loving you, mm. I want to just tell you about. Right. I want to tell you about my faith. I don't. What's so interesting in my work? I, I don't have to tell people about my faith. I don't have to tell people about God. They experience God, not not through me. I not. They experience God through the process. Right. Of reconciliation, of love, of finding each other, and I'm amazed how many I don't initiate them. I, I really don't. I, uh, uh, so it's part of my I, just my interest. Do uh, you, you allow
0: it though? You 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 uh,
5: yeah. You can yeah, well, And I so, would
0: say it's by spirit, but you can recognize that space.
5: Yes, that, that, yes, yeah. Todd. So mm-hmm. and and that's the God space. That's the and I truly believe I. So I believe that that. That what we see in, in um, in in the, the the terrible state of part of, of our world in some ways yeah. in the stuff, in in the stuff that happens and I is part of it. I think all of us just can't believe things are happening in the way they are. Yeah. But those wow. are real. It's a reality. When I see people abused, put down, victimized, and over time, I, sometimes it comes up in, but it's over time, over, even over generations. I. And in every area, uh, if I think about gender, same deal, right? It's, um, right. So, so I, so I believe that um, the way I understand the way God works in this is that He actually has designed us to love well. He actually has; He's built it in. And so, so I, so the core of why this works is because God designed us to love. He didn't design us to hate. Mm-hmm. He designed us to actually love. It, it's the dysfunction. It's the it's the, it's the problem where we end up hating. Um, and mm-hmm. the reason is because I start to look after myself over you, right? Rather than seeing myself as part of you, um, and that's the the African uh, word ubuntu. Um, and ubuntu is an, a, a beautiful word like that because it actually it actually I, I do I cannot see myself. Without you, um, uh, and that, that's a that's a it's a deep within the culture. So when we talk about uh, one of the surprises for me, because I spent forty years of my life in Africa, born there and raised and 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 loved it. you come to North America, and it's very individual. It's individualistic. Yes. It's about what I can do, what I can achieve. And I'm, Africa's got that individual for sure. But the individual is, is seen in the context of us. Um, uh, so I never see myself separated from you. Uh, uh, that's why, uh, and that's why I. Um, some of the beautiful things that happened around that fun- the funeral, right? Um, uh, it just, oh, of, is, uh, oh, of um, George, George Floyd. Floyd? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. George, so I'm, we
0: we have a Cornell West clip where he's oh, talking okay, about that. Okay. We and yeah. what we're going to do, so you know, because I know you listened to it and watched it, where Cornell yes. West is talking to Anderson Cooper, and it's on the occasion of of. Um, george floyd's funeral and so we're, we're going to include that in the episode it'll be in there so that's what you're referring to but go ahead
5: wonderful yeah so i just i i, I love that because because what what is saying what kind of saying there is that it's about humanity that in this we find we find each other um yeah. and I, I that is it so so i think for me that's the hope i i think exceptionalism should be the exception, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh,
6: that's
5: cool. So, yeah. so I, yeah, yeah and, and it is oh, about good. coming together. And when we're not, that's the warning. When, when I can't see you, so a very simple measure I have for myself because I'm as, I'm no different. I'm I'm as vulnerable. I'm as broken as any of yeah. us. When I can't see you, when I can't see my wife, when I can't see those I love, mm. because my own stuff is so strong mm. on my head, um, I stop. I just stop. And that's the go in, and mm-hmm. um, oh, and when cool. I go in, I my dad used to put his when I was a teenager, he used to put his hand on my shoulder, and, and not many people know me as Johnny Boy. He'd call me Johnny Boy, <laughs> and and um, and I go into the Johnny Boy, and um, because ah, that's where that's you. where I know I can I'm be, I'm being understood, so I'm understanding mm-hmm. myself, like that loving voice. Then I can understand yeah. you, yeah. So.
0: Um,
3: John. If, if I might, I'm I'm hoping this isn't too distracting. Um.
0: No, we can end with hope oh. after this. It's fine. Well, it's a question think, that needs I to be John asked. I
3: think John can be hopeful in this. <laughs> yeah. um, I, one of the struggles that, that I can find with with reconciliation is, I, I think probably I was given a very poor framework of it, uh, specifically in regards to my faith, uh, the verse of be at peace with all people as much as it depends on you. That was that was weaponized against me Um and, and I know there have been a lot of... I, I think of particularly women who were told to stay in abusive relationships and those sorts of things because there was always this God wants you to be at peace with all people. And I, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't give you an opportunity to, to talk about... So so when reconciliation isn't either the safest option or, or a possible option, what do you do with that? Because I know that I have relationships that... I are, are, are too frankly toxic for me to be in. And it, it's a health problem for, for me that I need to distance there. But I feel this conflict in my faith of not trying to seek reconciliation there. And I don't know if that's just me wanting to feel better, but I, I think that there are times where people aren't safe to be in relationship with. And I was hoping that you could give us a little bit of guidance as like, somebody who would seen, Yeah. Like yeah. how, like, is it just yeah. a dissonance that we need to, to hold?
5: Alison, that's thank you. I, I think that's really important. I I think reconciliation is abused in some contexts. Mm-hmm. I'll be frank. I think it is, um, and it's abused because mm-hmm. it's used exactly the way and similar ways to what you just described, where where it's saying, well, unless you um, unless you face that person and forgive whatever, mm-hmm. then you are less than right. Yeah. Well, no, there are certain circumstances where it's inappropriate to actually go back in because mm. it's actually a read it's a it's a it's a it's being damaged again right um yeah. re-traumatized and so on so there's a fine balance and this is a we could spend a whole hour just talking <laughs> about it. Uh, but there's a fine balance between between uh, and choosing when you're into to reconciliation so <clears throat> so it's not the it's not, the, it's not the panacea, right, mm. to everything. It really isn't. It's, it's um, reconciliation is um, applicable, not applicable in, applicable in circums- mm-hmm. certain circumstances. Yeah. One of them is when the power differential yeah. is so high that it's, it cannot be bridged, is one of them, right? So when there truly is, when people have been victimized. So you don't go back and say, well, reconcile with your, the person who's your persecutor. In, in that in that role. Okay. I mean they ha- it can happen. So I'm not saying it's it, it's and I, I'm amazed and when that does and I, it's beautiful when that happens. but it's not a requirement. Mm. So I think there is a discernment here. I think there's a discernment in any situation. and the discernment is how and and and, and if and whether mm-hmm. I, I engage this right. So I, I think that discernment is important. Um, and that's where you, that's where sometimes one needs help and considering, and that's where friends and, and others are, are, are there to help to make those choices. Mm-hmm. So I think if you go back to, uh, just for a moment, except we, I want to tie what you've said, Alison, back to the concept of exceptionalism.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: Because mm-hmm. what people sometimes do is to say, well, you can't be part of us unless you, whatever, reconcile. Right. That's a problem because that's the use of, now exclusion of okay. power in it's another a power
0: form. move yeah. yeah
5: yeah it's a power play to in fact manipulate and i i'm i think that's a problem so so that's where if i think about all of this it comes back to integrity and honesty mm. and accountability in relationship and that requires courage and at times mm. and courage is not not what you've just spoken about Alison. sometimes courage is to say no Mm-hmm. That's not okay um, and until certain things would change, I can't reengage there um, so yeah and the classic one is when people are abused in a situation where they truly are victims, the yeah. last thing you would do is yeah. take them back into a reconciliation Ugh. process. I, so I'm very so just to give you one other quick thing I'm very very careful. When I enter into a conflict situation, I don't just enter in. I actually ask questions. I make some assessment. And it's not a complicated Mm -hmm. assessment. It's what's happened here and what is the appropriate process. So I'll give you one other piece. I don't believe every conflict should be resolved. Hmm. I actually don't. In fact, some conflicts... Uh, need to stay present. I mean, the classic one is what's happening now around systemic racism. Right. Yeah. That's a necessary conflict yeah. to have. Until we fix that, yeah. let's have the conflict about it, right? So that's a necessary conflict in my mind. I wouldn't want to resolve it. I would want to enhance that conflict for the purpose of change mm. and okay. bringing us at a better and higher level, a deeper level together as a community. So there's a discernment piece here that I think. You raise it, Alison. Thank you for raising it because I think it's an important one, and it's it's often misconstrued in the context of faith community.
3: That's certainly how I've experienced it, and and there was there was part where I was like, I I don't know how to live with this in in the way that I was taught it. It it, it didn't feel right. It felt so manipulative, and um, and there was part where I was like, am I am I feeling this just because? I want to be angry at someone, or I want to be frustrated with someone, or I don't want to be in relationship with them. And I'm like, I'm going to ask John because he's a lot <laughs> smarter than I am when it comes to this sort of stuff. Really, so I really appreciate that.
5: And I mean, listen, you're doing the you're doing the first step really well, which is which is going. You actually go back to my three step right. Go in. Yeah, you go you're going in. You're discerning what, what is this? Well, you do feel manipulated. You feel a number mm-hmm. of things around it. Listen. Listen to that. So when you're mm-hmm. going in, you're not going in and condemning self. You're going in and respecting and honoring who you are and what the message is to you. Mm-hmm. Then the go up is what you're doing now, right? And then you're deciding what to act on. Yeah.
0: The uh, well, John, we're, oh, we're so grateful you so for your time yeah. and for this kind of, of course, the, your last kind of interaction and answer there. That's the unresolved part of where we are, right? That these situations are all around us, and some of them are societal, but some people are dealing with them in familial context or work context. Where um, you know, one of the most difficult things is many people are in situations that they can't get out of. Yeah, um, whether that's uh, at work or at home or. And so, you know, our heart goes out to people who are in those places. But we're really glad that you're working. I, I mean, I know a number of people who have been deeply blessed by uh, your work with them. And and I can say from my own experience as well, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of saying, well, it's not me. It's not. Um, and yeah, sure. But, <laughs> but um, in your company, um, people have been led to ask those greater and more hopeful questions and so now i you know when i think of you pray for you all those kinds of things i think uh um for such a time as this in the world um and so we turn on tv and we see a protest or something or we see uh and sometimes they will think i wonder how john's kind of processing this but i know this i know you're processing much of it hopefully um that you see that this 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 upheaval could be leading to something better and could be leading people to see across those lines, to see the humanity of the other. And so um, we're really grateful for you. We're grateful for your work. We see mm-hmm. it as tremendously, tremendously meaningful. You're, um, you know, you're in your home office there uh, on the Sunshine Coast, but that work is reaching out around the world and we're really glad you took the mm-hmm. time with us. Yeah. Anything, any parting thing to say to <laughs> us before, um,
5: before uh, no, we No, just off? Th- thank, thank you both. And thank you for the work you're doing. Mm-hmm. I, I think conversations about life and about love, which mm-hmm. is ultimately what it's about, right, and all its forms, which is God is love, are, are, are so critical. So, so thank you. Yeah. I mean, my, my hope is with, you, with that as well, right? So, so even in, if we think about the, the more challenging the circumstances we find ourselves yeah. in, and I'm thinking about you were saying about people who are, who are stuck right now yeah. in situations and circumstances where they, they are stuck for whatever reason, and they don't have too many options, then then how do you find that peace? And the peace is in coming to terms with the tension, not giving it up, not throwing it away, but just coming to terms with it uh, in your context and, and saying, God help, help Yeah, you know, and, and
0: thanks. I mean, we can be so thankful that we have so many examples of people yeah. who have been in circumstances of great difficulty, even oppression, have held on to hope. But I think the key is, as I look at it, you know, um, from a philosophical or religious or whatever view, um, uh, the common thread I find is back to a word you told us right near the beginning. The people who have been able to hold on to hope seem to have some sense of future, even future beyond themselves, that maybe not in their lifetime. Um, and yes. this is something that, so thank you again for your time. Thanks to Allison, yes. <laughs> producer Rick. Um, we look forward to seeing you in person and we'll have yeah, a drink with I you. We do this that tasting well. that we've done earlier in the episode here. We like to include the guests, but we couldn't do that with Not this distance. This so thank you so yep. much. God bless. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for
5: having me. Thank you.